We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. We are back for mailbag part number two. Yes, I just did a little bit of a rhyme there for you because I am excited to talk about the end of the Pacers with my lovely co-host, the biggest Wizards fan in all the world, Michael J. Wow. Bocci, what's up, brother? I knew last episode was too good to be true. But everybody, (laughs) check your mailboxes because we're delivering some mail today. Let's get right to it. At Hugh Pacers, Aaron M., one of our great listeners, a great follow on Twitter if you're not already. Give him a shout-out. Give him a follow. Anyway, he said, I want more draft picks. Me too, brother. Me too. He said, with Charlotte now having the 13th and 15th picks, does this make a Miles Turner trade to the Hornets? More likely, another Hornets trade, Fachi, with Miles Turner. Woo! Hey, not our words. It was Aaron M's words. Uh, but look, I feel like this is like something out of like a comic book. Like, Miles is meant to fulfill his destiny and become a Charlotte Hornet. You know, it's just we've heard it for so long. But, like, it's obvious they've had a man crush on him for, for years. Their, their defense has been atrocious for years. I mean, they get abused in the paint. The playing games have been horrendous. At this point... I think Miles Turner is a guy that it almost feels that like they got to eventually pull trigger on. We'll see if it happens or not. But look at some of the young talent that the Hornets used draft picks on last year. James Booknight, Kai Jones, those guys are barely even playing for them. How much young talent can they continue to add to this team when you got a guy like Miles Bridges who's going to hit free agency? 
You got LaMelo Ball, which ESPN and everybody else is already starting the rumors about that he could want out. It seems like you, I know it's ridiculous. Uh, but it's ESPN like, is alive. I, they really do. They try to just pull all the good players away from smaller market teams. But look, at some point, they really need to get out of the playing game. And a guy like Miles Turner could get them out. And selfishly, look, you're talking about dangling the 13th and 15th overall pick. I'm intriguing because I'm intrigued because Turner entering a contract year is pretty good value. Yeah, the buzz around the league is Miles Turner to the Hornets has been a thing for five years now. So um, <laughs> buzz, buzz city was my joke there if you didn't catch it. Ah, that was good. That was good. Anyway, anyway, look, Mitch Kupchak, his job is at Jeopardy right now. There's been rumors, I believe Jake Fisher had this from Bleacher Report, that his future with the Hornets could be in Jeopardy. So we'll see if Kupchak is still there. Look, I have no idea what's going to happen with Turner and the Hornets. I know the Hornets at picks 13 and 15 could use some value there. There are some good draft picks there that can make some sense. Would they rather have Mark Williams on a rookie contract than trade for Turner? Is that something that they're interested in at 13 or 15? Who knows? They've got Kai Jones. They drafted him last year. He's a center that a lot of people were very intrigued by his athleticism and his ability. So maybe one year in the, in the books now for him, does he take that next step forward and become that starting center that they've been looking for at least a rotational player and, uh, you know, obviously Mason Plumley has one year left on his deal. So, look, I mean, we're going to – we could talk at nauseum about the Hornets, but I'm really sick and tired of these questions about Hornets and Miles Turner. Uh, we've already got like three of them today. Oh, so, yeah. you know, with that being said, uh, nothing against Aaron asking this question because I'm sure it's intriguing. We've been hearing the rumors from the Hornets for a long time now, but I will say it does make it more likely, but it still wouldn't say it's like set in stone with Trey Turner. No, it's definitely not set in stone. And uh, a similar question or a percentage on that will come up later on. Uh, but look, next question, we have Dalton James Chubb, friend of the show. How you doing, Dalton? He said, love the show. Do you think Pacers will trade Miles or Malcolm on draft night? Uh, look, no doubt in my mind, Brogdon is moved. I, I really feel like if I'm a betting man, which you know, sometimes I am, I would say that Brogdon gets moved. But I, I just if I if he's gonna be on the roster, I think he probably gets moved at the deadline. Turner is always gonna be in rumors. Wouldn't surprise me if he's traded. However, I do think this franchise, you know, I don't want to say owes him the right to be the lone big, but I want to see it. Many fans want to see it. And if the right value isn't there, don't force a move just to do it when you could always revisit it at the trade deadline. Yeah, that's a great point there about visiting at the trade deadline. Look, I think what it comes down to is a who is picking at the time the Pacers like somebody and be yep. who's falling in the draft that the Pacers want to go out and get. If there's a team that could really use somebody like a Malcolm Brockton, like I talked about, let's just say the Hornets are like, okay, we've got to get a solidified guy next to LaMelo Ball that's better on defense than Terry Rozier. Might not be the same, you know, shot, shot maker that Terry Rozier can be, but Malcolm off ball can be really, really good. And I think that LaMelo could benefit from playing off ball with Malcolm. So, I mean, we always talk about miles there, but could Malcolm make some sense there in Charlotte? I mean, I think there's some potential that it could. So, you know, Hey, you, you look at say, Hey, we'll give you a Malcolm plus whatever for X players and pick 13 or pick 15, whatever. I mean, there's definitely some stuff there and it all depends on who is falling. If the Pacers like Mark Williams, if they like Terry Eason, if they like EJ Liddell, if they like Joe Schmo, whoever, and they think that he's worth going to trade up and get, they will do it. Kevin Pritchard said that in his press conference after they made the big deal to get Halliburton. If there's a guy they like, they're not afraid to get it. But I will throw this out there. The Pacers have won almost every trade they've made, I would say, 
since Pritchard got there. I think that scares teams off a little bit when Pritchard comes knocking on the door saying, hey, let's make a deal because they know that he might be getting the upper hand in the deal. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But you got to hope that both teams just understand why it benefits them and um, why they why they can agree to a deal. But I think there's definitely going to be trades here for the Pacers because they've got a busy offseason ahead to right this ship. Very busy offseason. I think they have to make some moves. I think they have a bunch of guys that they just don't no longer fit the direction of the team. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. But uh, let's uh, move over to the next question. Yeah, Jake Axline said, how soon can the Pacers have a realistic uh, realistic Eastern Conference Finals team? I'm wondering if this is becoming like an ongoing joke. But like, what is it? <laughs> what is it with asking when we're going to make the Conference Finals again when we're at like the lowest depths that this franchise has been in in like 35 years? It's, I mean, it's because fans want to know when to come back. To watch this like, team. <laughs> like a conference finals, is that the measuring stick now? Like a couple of years, like a year or two ago, we were dying just to get out of the first round. I feel <laughs> like if the Pacers won a first round series, I mean, it, it, if you want to call it sad, I don't know what you want to call it, but I'd be celebrating. I'd be like, man, this was a, this was a lot of fun. But look, let's just first ask, when can we be a playoff team again? I don't want to say, I'm not talking play in, playoff team. Answer the question, Fachi. Eastern Conference Finals, that's what they ask. Is that what you want to answer? It's what they want to answer. Okay. Eastern Conference, I mean, I could blindly spin something and be like, oh, five years, all right? But here's the <laughs> thing. The East is a young team. Look at Boston. They're young. Like, Hawks came out of nowhere. Trey Young is going to be there for a while. Like, there's so many young, so much young talent out there that, I mean, Giannis just signed a new deal. He's going to be in the East for, for years. So, I mean, I'd have to blindly spin Pick a date. 2027. There you go. 2027. There it is. Five years from now. Five years. Whoa. We will revisit this in five years, Jake, and I I hope I'm wrong. I hope so, too. I hope the pick that we get this year ends up being an all-star in year two, and we are back in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2025. But we'll just say 2027 because it sounds good. I don't know why. just sounds like a good number. I was born on the 27th, so is my wife, so maybe I just like 27. Maybe you do. Here's what I will say. We botched this pick. Don't no one ask us about a conference finals for years because it's going to be a long, long time. So everything depends on this pick. But next question we got, we got Jason on Twitter said, what do you think Tyrese Halliburton's potential numbers could be in a full season with us? If he's not passive, I think he can go to 23 points and 12 assists easy. I'll let you answer this one first, Fachi. I could see him averaging 21 and 10 and a half to 11 assists. Look, it's, it's only about maybe one more assist than he averaged this year. He should have better talent, but man, I mean, it's hard to average, you know, 12 or more assists in the NBA. You just really don't see that happening often unless you're a guy like Chris Paul or Steve Nash. So 21, I mean, he averaged 17 and a half this year. So that would be like a, you know, like a three and a half point jump over there. He, but he also did it this year on 50% shooting. So if he's not as accurate, Maybe could he could he get bumped up to 22 points per game? It's definitely possible, but he would also need to be more aggressive. That might not be in his nature. Yeah, so with the Pacers this year, he took 12 shot attempts per game, which was the highest that he's had in his career. He was a 50-40-90 guy, maybe 85, excuse me, for the free throw. So 50-40-85 and his splits there on the shooting from field goal percentage three-point percentage and free throw percentage and like you said 17 and a half points this year with the Pacers 9.6 assists so you know took a jump 
from from earlier this year with Sacramento in terms of overall statistics. And I think a part of that has to do with just him having the ball in his hands more and stuff like that. But yeah, I think if he's a little bit more aggressive, I think that your numbers aren't too far off, but um, he's one of those guys that's always looking for his teammates and he's, it's it's just who he is. So if you don't like that, he's a little bit passive. I mean, that's just kind of what he likes to do. He likes to set guys up. So I think, honestly, I think 20 points is probably a good number for him Yeah, to get in the 20 range. I would like to see it a little bit higher, maybe just one more three a game, right? That'd be cool. Um, but, yeah, 20 points a game. We'll go with 10 assists. I think that's fair. He's already at 9.6 right now. So just depends on what they get and who they get to go with him. I mean, you imagine him throwing the ball to, to Brogdon, Turner, Buddy Heald, uh, whoever they draft, Chris Duarte. I mean, those are a lot better three-point shooters than throwing at some McConnell, Terry Taylor, uh, the guys that he was playing with, Goga Batadze. So, you know, there's definitely a chance there for him to have some better numbers. But, yeah, I uh, I really like Halliburton's potential here with this team. And if he's able to just buy in and know, like, hey, I'm the franchise player here, I think it'll only help him. He's just got to he's just got to see the Pacers show that they're a trustworthy organization because what Sacramento did to him, I think, really did put a little bit of a – bad taste in his mouth on trusting an organization and their words. So the Pacers are going to have to show it to him, not just tell him that they want to invest in him long-term. Yeah. It's also part of the reason why I want to see Brogdon move earlier rather than later, because I want Brogdon. I mean, I want Halberton to have that full off season being like, Whoa, I'm the guy. Like, uh, like this is, this is my team right now. And it's like, Hey, like, just, just go. We have all the confidence in you, but Hey, we'll wait and see what happens over there. But this is definitely a huge offseason for him. And just like you said, he's got to believe it. If he feels like he's the guy and has that confidence, it'll translate on the court. But I, there's only oh so much, so many more points a pass first guy can really average. So hey, yeah. we can't we can't complain about twenty and ten. You know, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good number. So let's move on here. DJ Davis Law said, "What move brings the best percentage of the Pacers to real contention?" of winning a championship to Indy and why his options here are number one, the number one pick in the 2022 draft uh, resulting in a stretch dominant power forward or two trade or pick of stud defensive player to stop dynamic point guards like Trey Young, Kyrie, et cetera, from taking over games. Given your choices, I would definitely say the first overall pick taking a guy like, you know, Ben Jabari Smith. I mean, those guys have massive potential to change your team. Uh, yes, I'm leaving a guy like Chet Holmgren out of this list. You know, it, I know you said a stretch four, but look, uh, I, I don't think that there's a stud defender out there that is also a available, but can also make the type of difference for us that is worth trading like a top six draft pick for. So, like for instance, Marcus Smart just won while we were recording this, just one defensive player of the year. Fantastic, but is he going to be available? And and if we trade you know, the, the, the fifth or sixth overall pick for him, like I don't think that's the way to potentially being a championship team. I think it's getting the first overall pick. Did you see how good he did defensively against Kyrie in game one? <laughs> yeah, they had like 39 points or whatever it was. Good Kyrie. offense always beats good exactly. defense. It's just the bottom line here. I know this Pacers team has to get some defensive anchors on this roster. I think Turner can be one of them, but they're going to have to continue to get more defensive-minded players to help this team grow. I would love to see Isaiah Jackson get more of a chance to play some of the four next to Turner next season if we if we keep Turner and move forward because I really think that those two together could be something 
interesting, especially if we see Isaiah Jackson develop an outside shot. I mean, you're talking about two guys that can shoot from three block shots. And one of the things that I really love from Isaiah Jackson, I just see special in him was his ability when he was guarding Joel Embiid, able to block his jump shots. Like he's got to put some muscle on, don't get me wrong, but you know, defensively you got to get better. But to answer your question, they need that number one pick so, so bad. If you can get a guy that could potentially change the entire trajectory of your franchise, getting Apollo Boncaro, getting a Jabari Smith, those are guys that can really change things for you. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I know Paolo's numbers defensively probably weren't super great in college. He's just got a great build though. And I think that if he's put in the right system, he will buy in defensively and will continue to you know get better at that part of his game so honestly i uh i definitely agree with you fachi number one is the way to go here absolutely we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pacer faithful. Hey, we appreciate the both of you um, asking. Now that we're down to one first rounder, what are your thoughts on one of the following? A, Memphis gets Brogdon and Goga. The Pacers get Dylan Brooks and the Lakers first round pick. Or B, Memphis gets Brogdon and Turner. Pacers get Dylan Brooks, uh, Zaire Williams, and the Lakers first. Uh, top five protected. So I looked hmm. into it. Uh, it's actually that Lakers pick is going to the Pelicans. Uh, eighth overall, it was top 10 protected in terms of if it fell outside of the top 10, then it would go to Memphis. However, since it didn't, it's actually turning into two second round picks. It's going to be the Cavs 2022 second round pick uh, and the Pelicans 2025 
uh, selection. So that's what's going over there. So changes the deal uh, quite a bit. But I also heard that Dylan Brooks is like a major, major glue guy or for Memphis also labeled as like the heart and soul of that team. So not saying he's the best player. It's obviously John Morant. So I don't know if how you know reluctant or how likely they'd be to deal him. Uh, I think while Brogdon could definitely help them, I, I don't know if that's the move they make. It'd be interesting. But the second deal, Brogdon, Turner for Brooks, Sarah Williams, and that that Lakers pick, look, given that it's it's two second-round picks, it definitely loses some of that luster. But Zaire Williams, guy they traded up to to pick at 10, I don't know how quick they're they're looking to move him. So not sure if a deal materializes here, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say that with Zaire Williams, like that to me that that trades off the table. I, just, I agree. They see a lot of potential in yep. Zaire. Look, they didn't want Zaire at 10. I'll be honest with you. Um, the reports came out, and I think they were 100% accurate. They wanted Josh Giddy. They thought he'd be there at 10. OKC took him at six, and it was a lot of – it was it was a smart pick. I mean, Josh Giddy had a great rookie season. So, you know, OKC, they fell back out of the lottery, but they got the six overall pick, and they hit on it. So, look, I think Zaire Williams is a special player. He's got so much talent, and we talked about wanting him at pick four, uh, 13 mm-hmm. last year just because of the upside, like – his year at Stanford, his college, uh, his last year at Stanford was just not good. And it was a really weird year for them with COVID, not being able to play in their own arena. So with that being said, I'll just make it short and plain. I don't think Brooks is on the move either. It would take a lot for them to move Brooks. This, uh, this, excuse me, this Memphis team has a really good roster. So um, I think they'll try to consolidate more than anything, but I don't think they're going to be giving up any of their main pieces, even if they get beat by Minnesota in round one. Um, I think Steven Adams is the guy that's likely to get moved. And then, you know, Kyle Anderson's a free agent, so you're looking at other guys off the bench. So that's kind of the way I think they go if they do make a move just because they can't pay everybody. But with that being said, yeah, this is a deal that I don't think either deal gets done, even though I would love getting Brooks on this team. So would I, but yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think it happens. Next question we have, Josh Strauss said, any way the Pacers go after Malik Monk in free agency? 24 years old, unrestricted free agent, really coming into his own. Uh, look, I I was – Alex, I know you'll remember this. I thought it was puzzling when Malik Monk didn't look to cash in on that deal and he signed that um, minimum deal with the Lakers. I felt like it was such a crowded room over there. Uh-huh. I think that he's a very good player, uh, but given the Pacers currently have a bunch of guards that they still need to figure out, you got Duarte, Buddy Heald, Brogdon, still got McConnell in there, I mean – well, Dwayne Washington Jr. is on the roster. Uh, look, yeah. I, I just feel like I don't see that happening. Plus, I also think this time around, Malik Monk is looking to cash in. Um, I Now, there's not that <laughs> many teams out there with cap, a cap space, so I don't know where it's going to come, but I feel like he would only choose the Pacers if they, like, threw the bag at him, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, Malik Monk's an interesting player. I think he's played pretty well over the last couple of years, and he has some upside. But, yeah, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Like, if the Pacers drafted a shooting guard – it's totally different because you're going for best player available and you're trying to change the trajectory of your franchise. But Malik Monk, he ain't going to do that. So um, if you trade Buddy Heald, then I could possibly see it. If you trade Buddy and you move Brogdon, there could be some room for him there. But you already got Duarte. You already got Dwayne Washington Jr., like you said, five. So really, to me, I don't I don't see it. So um, let's move on. One more question here. This one's from Circle One Sports. He said, who are the most realistic suitors for Malcolm Brogdon? I would say the Knicks. The Pelicans, maybe your Washington Wizards could enter the mix uh, after trading Dinwiddie. I feel like, look, they Excuse need to bring... me? Excuse me? You heard me? Excuse me? Your Washington Wizards? We no. know how the show started off. 
You heard me. Uh, look, after they traded Dinwiddie over there, they've been looking to pair uh, another guard with Beal. The Aaron Holiday experiment did not work out. Um, so I just feel like those are the three teams I think that could be in the mix that need better guard play, also looking to get better. Yeah, I think Denver is another team that could have interest in him if he's available and what they're willing to give up. I think Minnesota could use him. I think that Toronto would be interested in him. Definitely think Dallas would be interested. I think you can honestly go through here and look at pretty much any team that's in contention and say they could talk themselves into Malcolm Brogdon because, look, Brogdon's a good player. Just because the fans don't like him because he's injury prone and he's not the leader that everybody thought he was doesn't mean that he can't be a good player somewhere else. But, you know, the Knicks are a team that desperately need a point guard. Uh, Fachi's Wizards, they don't have any clue what they're doing right now. So, I mean, who uh, take advantage of them, but they're going to be stupid and, and make bad stuff. But, you know, pretty much outside of, like, teams that already have established wing players, like I would say Sacramento probably, uh, you're probably looking at, you know, OKC wouldn't want him, maybe Houston. Those are kind of the teams I would look at and say they probably don't want him. But you can pretty much make a case for any other team being interested in him because of what he brings to the table and his ability to defend. Yeah, to touch on your point, I think there's a lot of teams that like Brogdon or value Brogdon more than the Pacers do at this moment. So uh, I think he's going to have plenty of suitors. It's just a matter of what's the best offer on the table for the Pacers. But there's there's definitely going to be some teams calling. Um, moving over next, we have Reggie Miller's finger sleeve. He said, what, what do you each need to see happen this offseason slash next season? Trades, signings, team performance, et cetera, for Pritchard to avoid being on the hot seat. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we have to think here long-term and have to wonder, is Pritchard's seat really high? Um, I think that the Pacers pivoting a little bit from trying to win to go into a rebuild, whether that was Carlisle helping convince Herb Simon, whether it was Pritchard convincing Herb Simon, Chad Buchanan, whoever it was, you could clearly see that ownership bought into somewhat of a rebuild here, right? So I think that they know where they're heading direction-wise. But I think for me, what I need to see is they got to hit on their draft picks. And if they make trades, they got to make trades that make sense. I don't think the signings really matter that much. I don't think team performance next year matters that much. But I definitely think it's going to have to be, do they hit on their trades, which they've done successfully over the last five years, or, and, not or, but and, do they hit on their draft picks? I think first it starts with nailing this draft pick. Yeah. You watch this pick, the Pacers are in absolute trouble. Uh, then Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, they need to take a step forward and prove that they were the right picks rather than Duarte feeling like the safest pick at 13 because I definitely believe in Isaiah Jackson's potential. Maybe it's just more recency bias because I didn't get to see Duarte. None of us did uh, towards the end of the year. But players also need to be able to adapt to Carlisle's system because if there's rumblings of getting it wrong, a head coach or anything like that, I think the Pacers probably move on from Pritchard before they do Carlisle, just due to the contract and, and how quickly they moved on from Bjorkren. Um, but also, I want to see how they handle moving Brogdon. What do they do with Warren? Does Turner stay or is he moved? If he's moved, for what? Uh, can we ever attract true free agents? Because I'm going to go through some names for you. Here's some of the guys that the Pacers have signed in free agency. Uh, under Pritchard, Boyan Bogdanovich, Tyreek Evans, Darren Collison, who had already been here before, Al Jefferson, Toy Craig, TJ McConnell, 
I mean, like, it's not an all-star cast by any Where's means. Where's Doug McDermott? You left yeah, Doug off. Yeah, I mean, I, knew, I, was, I wasn't going to be able to name everybody. McDermott, I forgot about. Look, he was good, played better, but, like, that – I've talked about it before. That was our 1201 free agency signing. Hey, like, rush – we got McDermott. McDermott. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> that wasn't the splash that we wanted. Uh, so, you know, like, guys, you look at over there, it's like Boyan was definitely the guy that, you know, played the best, I would say, out of that group. But Tory Craig, that was our other signing. We traded him yeah. pretty quickly. Al Jefferson didn't even see the last year of a three-year deal. Tyreek Evans was a downright disaster. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's been – some flops, but there really hasn't been any splashes in free agency. It's all been through trade, which you and I have given him the utmost credit for. He's pulled some off some awesome trades, but some other avenues that I think we need to work on and see were the ones that I just named. Well, you said we didn't get a lot of splashy moves, but we got a lot of splashes from Doug McDermott from three point hey. land. So just got to say, give the man some credit because McDermott was actually a good successful player here. The problem is, and that's just how it is with Indiana you're not going to be able to sign big name free agents. So free agency is something that's a very minor thing. If you get a Brogdon, you didn't even bring up Brogdon in the sign and trade that we got. Sign and trade rather than an outright signing. But it was pretty much an outright signing. Pretty much, pretty much. We only gave up a first round pick, which was like the 24th pick in the draft. So really, I'll just put it this way. We haven't had a lot of top tier free agents want to come here because it's Indiana. So that's just the bottom line. But you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. Let's move on with our next question. This one comes from Patrick Fagan. He said, give your opinion of what percent of returning next seasons for each of the injury-prone players. So percentage for Turner, Brogdon, and Warren returning next year. I would put Turner at 60% returning. Uh, I think it's more than likely he returns, uh, but I don't feel overly confident in it. Brogdon, I'd put at no more than 25%. I honestly think he's gone. To tell you the truth, I'll buy it. I'll buy him a set of luggage. I will. I'm over it. All right. And then at this point, <laughs> Warren, I, I think he, I think TJ Warren might have the best chance of returning, which sounds pretty, sounds pretty crazy. It does. I'll put him at 65%. I'm not in love with it, but it's, you know, it's basically like, Hey, you know, he's, he's most likely to return. Um, but I think that's also due to, there's really not going to be that much money for him elsewhere. It's coming off of an injury. Market's not going to be there. So I, I think it, makes sense for the Pacers to offer him one of those more team-friendly, you know, one year within a team option type of deal. Yeah, so I will say this. I think Turner, health-wise, is fine. I think that, personally, if the Pacers needed him to come back, they probably could have brought him back, but they decided not to because of the situation and where they were at. So smart move by them to allow that player to, to rest up and get healthy. So now he becomes a more valuable asset if they do move him. But I will say this. I think 65% of me says that Turner stays, 35% chance that he gets traded. I will say T.J. Warren is truly a 50-50 when it comes down to will he stay or will he go. And I think Brogdon, for me, I was going to put it right around 20%. So that's how I feel. I got Turner 65, he returns. Warren 50% that he returns. And Brogdon 20. And I don't love the idea of Warren at 50-50 just because – I have no idea what they expect from him or what they plan on doing with him if he does return. But I do know this, with him not being here the last two seasons, that has been a massive reason why they have not been as good as they were the first year that he was here under Nate McMillan. Um, just They don't have any player like that on their roster. Yeah. A guy that can create his own shot, a guy that actually took a massive step defensively, and a guy that was improving from three-point land. I mean, he was really a three-level scorer. 
and working better on the defensive end. So I think that they really missed having that type of player. So they'd probably like to have him back. But like you said, like eventually, like Pritchard said, enough is enough with the injuries. we got to figure something out. So let's see what happens. No, they do. People forget that T.J. Warren was the Pacers' leading scorer. I know there was other guys like Sabonis and Brogdon that were close, but he led us in scoring. And so, I mean, talking about three-point shooter, the guy was shooting over 40% from three. So, I mean, it, Warren is a really good player that is missed, and it's it's sad how often he's forgotten. We're all guilty of it at times, just forgetting that he's even on the roster. We did it even last episode. So, it, it happens. But moving on next, we have Elijah Worcester, who was recently one of our fan of the week. So, hey. shout, out, shout out to Elijah. He said – who should we get for Brogdon realistically? The the who is the hard part here. What it we is. should get for Brogdon realistically is what I would like to answer here. Uh, I know I give you a hard time for not saying uh, the right answer for the question <laughs> asked earlier. So for a who, I will say, um, this is a tough one, but I will, I mean, I don't even have a clue who we would get for him, but um, I will say a draft pick. That'd be my who. And uh, that draft pick is to be determined. So, I would just say this. I think if you're the Pacers and there's a lot of teams that have interest in Brogdon, you've got to at least ask for two picks. That's the bottom line. I mean, if you're willing to take back a bad salary or just salary in general, that doesn't really make sense for your team, your, the way your team is building. Let's just say they were talking to the Knicks, right? The Knicks, so they want a point guard. They say, hey, we'll give you Evan Fournier for Malcolm Brogdon, uh, but you're, we're going to have to take two picks off your hands for that. So Maybe you get their lottery pick this year, and then you get another pick that's lottery protected and hope the Knicks eventually make the playoffs. Maybe it turns into two seconds, like we talked about other deals that have happened. But, you know, you at least got to try for two first. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's the way to go about it. And um, that would be smart to a certain extent if you're able to do that just because you're trying to uh, build for the future and not for the now. Yeah, I mean, look, would I love two first-round picks for Brogdon? Absolutely. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think the Pacers if, will probably start with that. Well, let, me, let me just say this real quick. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to cut you off, but it, I meant to make this point, and I forgot. If they were able to get Karis LeVert for the best pick in the second round, which is almost a first pretty much, yep. right, and another first-round pick for Karis LeVert, a guy that only had one more year on his deal, and a guy that's not even close to the efficiency level of Malcolm Brogdon, then I think you got to ask for two first. Yeah. No, I mean, look, that what we got for Levert was fantastic, assuming that we end up getting a first-round pick in there. But um, for Brogdon, look, you start the asking price at that point, and, and you hope that you, you come something close with it. Um, I, when, I, when I started answering this question, I was like, man, I want a talented wing who could defend and a draft pick. And I was like, man, I'm just asking for like the perfect package over here. So, you know, it, does, it doesn't, does, doesn't typically work out that way. So I would just say, can you get a, a younger rotational player that could definitely be contributing on a nightly basis and a first round pick? I would love that. I do think Brogdon's going to have plenty of suitors. Um, but look, I don't have a specific name for you right now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to our next question here from Slick Smiths. He said, I'm from the future. Rudy Gobert is a pacer. What are your first thoughts? Oh, no. What did I miss? I mean, at this point, like literally, I, he's making so much money that it's terrifying for a limited offensive player. I mean, look, we talked about it last episode, making nearly $40 million per year at this point. I, I can't I can't stomach that contract because of how the Pacers, I mean, they're looking at right now. Between Buddy Heald and Brogdon at, at roughly $22 million. That's the Pacers' highest paid player. So in years past, they've had, you know, Oladipo at, at $20 million. 
whatever. It, it's just to all of a sudden make a jump to $40 million and, you know, no offense, but I have, I mean, so you can argue is Gobert a star? Is he not? He's an all-star, but in my mind, that's not the guy that you give $40 million to. So <laughs> I, I can't sign off on this. Here's what I would say. I would say, wow, we've got the best center in Pacers franchise history since they joined the NBA. However, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I mean, come on. I mean, it's obviously better than Jeff Foster, Roy Hibbert. Oh, I mean, if you start with Foster, yeah, of course. Well, I'm just going Hibbert back too. and looking. Yeah. I mean, Hibbert, I mean, I think he's better than Miles Turner. He's better than Sabonis. Um, definitely better than Rick Smith. I know that's going to drive some people crazy, but I think he's better than Rick Smith. And then outside of that, like, who was the who was the center in the NBA before that? Herb Williams? That's Al Thompson? I mean, come on now. Who are we talking about here? So, clearly, he's the best overall player center-wise not can not including Jermaine because Jermaine uh, yeah. didn't want to play a center he had yes, to be power yeah exactly exactly yeah not doing these tweener guys I'm str- I'm talking strictly centers okay Sabonis was a power forward if you want to be technical about it but uh I'm just being dumb but anyway I'll just say this what are we doing why are we doing this trade what was the point of this trade are we trying to win now what's the point of winning now why are we paying this guy so much money um just a lot of questions that I would have, but at the same time, if we had a good roster around him, I think it'd be kind of fun to see what this team could do in the playoffs. Um, I think they could make the playoffs with Rudy Gobert on the roster, but at the same time, <laughs> I just, I just they have to get the pieces around him to make it make sense. So um, it would be interesting for sure. But like we talked about in part one, I just, I just don't do it. Fachi. I would hate this. I, I would absolutely hate this um, in terms of what the direction of the team should be. If the ceiling is making the playoffs with Rudy Gobert, then I think we can all think of better ways to spend $40 million. But I, I'm out on that. I'm with you. It's just it's just not the right move. And I don't know where this Gobert fascination has, has, has come from. It feels like it's very recent uh, but for some Pacer fans. But I, I think we need to you know take it easy and realize that he's not the answer. But last question we have from Stoop Kid. He said, what to do with all these guards? Any interest in someone like Enos Freedom? I, I, I Let I Freedom ring, Fachi. This is ridiculous. Enos Freedom has been blackballed by the NBA. Enos Freedom, look, I get it. There was that meme where Billy Donovan said, can't play Cantor. And look, Enos Cantor, if you put him on this Pacers team, he is easily the most offensive skilled center that this Pacers team has. I don't know why Enos Freedom can't get a chance in the league once again. If LeBron was doing what he was doing politically, people would be going crazy over it. So, Look, I'll just say this, Enos Freedom, if the Pacers get him on a minimum contract, I'm a thousand percent and this would be a great fit as a backup center. Yeah, look, Cantor had a, had a good run with the Knicks <laughs> a few years ago, but look. Pachi, come on, man. You I think I really, no, come on, I know, man. I, trust me, I know you're kidding. I was going to get into it. As I said, he had a good run with the Knicks. Was it like five years ago? I mean, look, at this point, it's like, come on. Uh, I, I figured once this came in here, it, it had to be a joke, especially because he's not ignored. I have no idea what is going on with this question. I have <laughs> no idea at all. But look, is is the man good enough to be in the NBA? Yes, he is. But at this point, look, there's obviously politics involved. He's nowhere even near my radar for this space. They have about a hundred problems to solve that have nothing to do with his freedom. So. At this point, you know, the guard, the guard rotation needs to be cleaned up. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think freedom is going to be ringing anytime soon in Indiana. 
Yeah, the only D in Enos Freedom is in the D in Freedom. So mm-hmm, obviously, you don't play any defense whatsoever. It's like Christian Wood light, right? Uh, obviously, this kid doesn't play any lick of defense. He's no. not a good basketball player. Pick and roll him to death. He'll be played off the floor. There's a reason he's not in the league, and it's not just because of what he does politically. That's his own decision. I'm not even getting into that. Just not a very good defensive basketball player. And offensively, he can kind of slow things down. Look, he'll put buckets in the basket. He's given the Pacers multiple uh, problems, especially when he was with uh, Boston there for a little bit. And the Knicks, I mean, he would just kill the Pacers on the on the offensive side of things. But he's just kind of played himself into this position where it's just not a good fit to have him on your team, and he becomes a little bit more of a distraction than he is anything else. So um, I, I saw this question. My buddies in my group chat actually sent this to me like, couple of days ago and I said I'm gonna act like I like him just to see what Fachi does um (laughs) in the group chat just for fun so I was like I I gotta go all in like heel turn basically no that you did act like I like him and I'm sure at one point you're like what is he doing but there was like a two second thing where I was like whoa man I don't know if we've been watching the same player I started being like I mean he had that 30 rebound game once but look it was just like there's just we have so many other problems that this man cannot solve yeah so let me ask you this Enos Freedom or Rudy Gobert who would you rather have on the roster it'd be Canner because he'd be virtually it's freedom yeah exactly he'd be virtually free so at that point you know hey look there's always going to be a spot Uh, for maybe a free guy but for 40 million we got to be very selective absolutely well that wraps up mailbag part number two hope you guys enjoyed that episode this will be released on tuesday night so obviously you've already listened to it so who cares when it's released but with that being said thank you everybody for listening and uh fachi tell the lovely people where they can find us out on social media you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at setting the pace you can find us on tiktok at setting the pace and if you believe in luck and you want the Pacers to win the NBA Draft Lottery in just four weeks, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Let's go ping pong balls. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.